Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yo, and welcome to the 118th episode of Lake of Rage Pokemon Trading Card Game Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Clementi, a.k.a. Mellow underscore Magikarp. I'm joined today by three very special temporary guest hosts. Joining me are three top players in the game who are going to be attending Pittsburgh Regionals in at the time of recording five days from now it's going to be in a couple of days so it's it's coming up fast so we're going to be sharing they're going to be sharing their thoughts on what the best decks are what to tech what not to tech etc hopefully get everyone prepared for what looks to be the largest regional in the history of the pokemon trading card game which is absolutely wild to me but anyway i'm gonna have each of them introduce themselves and how long they've been playing some of their accomplishments just so you get to know the voices even though i think all three of these names will be pretty familiar to you so cal why don't you start us off what's your name how long you've been playing what are some of those accomplishments yeah so my name's uh cal connor i've been playing since roughly 2011 starting around then um my probably best accomplishment from the last year was second place at the peoria regional championship that's the closest I came to winning an event, so it's probably my best accomplishment last year. Gonna get that dub soon. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, Michelle. How long have you been playing? What are some of those accomplishments? Okay, uh, so I'm Michelle Lesage. I've been playing since 2018-ish. Uh, some accomplishments, not obviously not second place. Uh, I do have a day two in Baltimore, which is my only day two to date. Uh, I am a world qualifier, first time this year, so uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Beautiful. So coming up on that, I mean, the world's grind is huge. You got it. And that, it, that like needs to be so, I don't know. I'm like, I didn't even get close last year. So it's always like sick. <laughs> and Regan, what about you? All right. So my name is uh, Regan Ratzloff. I've been playing since about 2016, uh, about mid-season 2016. And my best accomplishment is probably uh, the Reg- Fresno Regional Champion last year. Um, yeah, it's probably my, my best one. Shout out to Reagan for the one time I've been on an official stream, absolutely clapping me worse than I've ever lost a game before. So I I appreciate that. Uh, anyway, we're going to get to some of the con- some of the conversation I put out on Twitter, twitter.com slash Lake of Rage. Some of the questions, and I think it's going to guide the discussion because a lot of you had the same questions that I assume everyone else is going to have. So the very first one we have is from both Tynamo Dynamo as well as Maddox, and that is about Charizard. So Tynamo asks, is Zard actually a good deck? And then Maddox asks, on top of that, what percentage of Charizard do you predict, and will it actually convert into Day 2? So Cal, let's go ahead and have you start us off. Is Charizard EX a good deck, and what are the percentages you're expecting, and is it actually going to convert? Okay, um, I think Charizard's solid. I think that playing it with the art style is definitely the best way to play it. I think that it's a solid deck, and I think it's just very much reminiscent of the other ARC decks that were kind of in the formats before. And I think that it'll do decent at the tournament. I don't expect it to win the event. I see there maybe being like 7%, 8% Zard, something like that. Maybe it's a Zard ARC and the Lost Zone are, uh, Zard that I've been seeing kind of run around a little bit. But um, I think that 
Uh, Zard's inherently just a decent card, and it'll see some play. Michelle, what are you saying? What percentage, etc.? Uh, I would say for myself, I'm a big Charizard fan. Uh, just in general, I've been testing in Cups recently a lot. Um, I think it's a really awesome deck, and for myself, I like the Lawzone variant more. Um, it kind of compares to the Lawzone Tina, but I feel like it's more easier to manage the resources in that deck. Um, which, I mean, for me, I don't have the brain power to play Lawzone Tina for 9 rounds. So, automatically, I know I'm not playing that, and if I want to play something that's similar enough and relevant enough, Lawzone is probably where I'm going to go. Uh, it depends if we see a lot of new, obviously. Um, meta, meta percentage-wise... Maybe, yeah, maybe like Cal said, maybe around 7 or 8%. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe 50% of those are going to convert to day 2. I think that number is quite high, but I think the hype is there. Um, and obviously, well, it depends. If Mew's not around, then Charizard doesn't do much. But I think with Vance winning the World Championships with Mew, I think it's Charizard has a higher chance of doing well. And Regan, what are you saying? Believing in Mew and what percent? Yeah, so I think that it is, like, a good deck. It takes a lot of good matchups. But, uh, like, Mew's a good matchup. Guardi's a good matchup with it. But the problem is, like, Lost Box Tina's really popular right now. So, like, its Lost Tina matchup is a little scary. Because, you know, they can just early early kill your Charmanders and then V-Star your Charizard. So I think that matchup's a little scary. But it's definitely still, like, a good deck. Takes good matchups. So probably around, like, the percent 7 to 8, maybe, like, 6, a little lower. But its conversion rate should be good. Like, you should expect to hit at least one in the tournament, I think. Um, and then maybe one, like, one or two tops in top eight, probably. And then we heard Cal say Arceus, Michelle, Michelle say Lost Box. So which oh, version? Yeah, yeah I, I like the Arceus Pidgeot version. Yeah, yeah, with, uh, because Pidgeot's good just throughout the game to get pieces, and then Arceus is good just to uh, set up the Pidgeot early. I mean, that checks out, right? <laughs> I think the coolest thing about Charizard right now is that both of those variants are just like, you play them with good cards, right? Arceus good, Pidgeot good, Comfy good, mm -hmm. Sableye good. It's got to work out, right? <laughs> the second one, and this is also a Twitter question, but the one that, I mean, gosh, if you've been paying any attention to online tournaments, this is just the thing. Nine card TCG asks, is Lost Zone Tina real? Is this real hype or is this just something that's happening online? Michelle, why don't you start us off with this one? Is the hype as real as it is in the online tournaments, or is it better, worse? So, I based myself obviously off the locals that I've had, and mm -hmm. I mean, Lost Tina is pretty big in the GTA right now. Uh, we've been seeing it a lot in cups and challenges. I think the hype is real. I think it's a little uh, overhyped, in my opinion. So, I I'm just looking at results from Worlds because obviously that's the format that we base ourselves on for Pittsburgh, and I just feel like it has the potential to do good, but that's if you draw decently with it. Um, in my opinion, yeah, there's a few that's going to spike in Pittsburgh, but maybe winning? I'm not so sure about that. Regan, what about you? Is the hype real? So, I mean, it did get, so, Lost Tina got, I think, third at Worlds, third mm -hmm. or fourth, Pram, Pram piloted, yeah, so, I think Lost Tina is, like, it's a popular deck, when I go to Cups, I, for me at least, there's a lot, usually a lot of Lost Tina, a lot of Arctina, so, I think Lost Tina is, is, like, real, I think it'll probably be 12 or 13% of the meta going into Pittsburgh, 
around there at least, and uh, I think that's what it was at Worlds too, but I, I also think that normal Lost Box Dragonite's gonna drop off a little, because I know it was like 19%, it was crazy at Day 2 Worlds, it was his most played deck, but yeah, so I think that's gonna drop off, I think uh, Lost Box Cena might pick up a little, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, I think it's a strong deck, I think we'll definitely see at least one in top 8. And Cal, what about you? Are you believing the Lost Tina hype? I think Lost Tina is really good. I think it's a very strong deck right now. I think that Path of the Peak is really strong in this format, and being able to Path of the Peak with combos with Hand Disruption and Sableye is just very underrated. So being able to do combos and cards like that is really good in this specific format, especially with Path of the Peak just inherently being very strong in this format. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tina is really good. I think that people will be playing it, and I think that I would see maybe one or two being in top eight for sure. So I guess this will be for everyone. This has been something that's kind of come up over and over again of like, oh yeah, you play Path of the Peak because it beats, you know, it beats Guardi, it beats Mew, whatever people want to say it beats. Is Path potentially something that's going to change your deck choice? Like the amount of Path that people are going to play to beat these things. Are you considering like, oh, maybe I'm going to play something that doesn't lose to Path? Are you just kind of like, yeah, I don't think Path's that scary, and you're still willing to play something that loses to Path. Uh, I guess, Cal, why don't you start us off? Is that Path hype scaring you off of something at all, or is it like, man, whatever? I think that Path hype, I just think in this specific format, Path of the Peak's really strong, so I think that if you're playing a deck that's weak or vulnerable to Path of the Peak, you need to play multiple outs or ways to get out of it, or ways to adjust your deck to make sure that you don't just fold to a Path of the Peak. Michelle, what about you? Uh... Path is not scaring me off a deck. Path is making me reconsider the cards that I play in that deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, yesterday, I'm thinking that, for example, uh, I was playing Arc Tina, uh, Arc Zard in a cup, and I lost to Mew because they pathed me, and because I could not find my outs. Uh, and see, now I'm talking about including possibly a lost vacuum in my deck because it's findable with the Mew that I play also in that deck. So I, I think the text might possibly change, but I don't think it's hyped enough to push someone off a deck. Greg, are you going to make it three for three on that? Yeah, so I don't think Path inherently beats any deck. Like, it's a good card in matchups, but it doesn't, like, it's not like it 100-0 is a matchup. Like, sure, it can lean in your favor, like, it makes them have a stadium card. It might ma- make them add, you know, an extra stadium or Punkaboo or a loss of acting, whatever that card might be. But yeah, I don't think it inherently like wins a matchup. Like you shouldn't switch off decks just because you're scared of path. Maybe add in more more stadium outs if you're like that worried about it. But other than that, just like kind of just stick with your deck. And like if path really beats you, then maybe you add in like a punkaboo because then ultra balls and out. But other than that, I think uh, I think that's it. So for Lost Tina, because it is like the most hype deck, I tend to like to do kind of a rapid fire on certain techs or counts or things like that. So even if you all are like, eh, I'm not going to play Lost Tina, just kind of what do you think would be correct in Lost Tina if the tournament were today? We're not going to hold you to these counts that you talk about now, but I'll give you a card and you can say, yes, play it, no, play it, or like say a specific number. So who hasn't started? Reagan, you haven't started us off yet. So we'll go for yeah. you, you, Cal, Michelle, just kind of a very quick, you don't need to explain, but how many path would you play in Lost Tina? I think I would play um, definitely two to three, but I like two more just so you can fit in more cards. This path is good, but it's not like it's not like an insane card, you know. And you can you can play Snorlax, you can play Choice Belt, you can play other cards that are better. Some people put gloves in just for Guardy, just so you have the option to one shot Guardy X's. But yeah, I think I'd stick to two path. Kyle, what about you? How many path? Uh, I like three. Michelle, what about you? I also like three. Uh, 
you ended up giving us the next one, but uh, Pram played a Snorlax. So Reagan, start us off. Snorlax. Yeah, so I like Snorlax in it um, because it also works well with Choice Belt. So I like the Snorlax. Cal, playing Lax? I like Lax. Michelle? Yes, definitely. All right, we're all, that's good. I got the character error. I'm good to go. Next card is Roxanne versus Iono. So which one should you play, or are you a fan of a split? Reagan starts off. Um, so I like at least one Iono. Roxanne's like okay, but you know, you can't play it throughout most of the game until your opponent takes uh, goes down to three. So I think a one-one split, it's definitely not like two Roxanne, no Iono. Definitely at least include one Iono. Cal? I have a one-one split. Michelle? I don't want Iono, but possibly something to bring back that Iono. Another card, uh, cards, I guess, that we kind of saw a little bit of. Uh, Mike Fouché had tweeted out his list, and then we've seen a few other people kind of go with this, of the zero water energy, Lost Zone Giratina. So it's just jet, water, and grass, or jet, grass, and psychic. There we go. No waters. Can't Greninja. Play the Greninja anyway. You can bluff it, right? So would you play water energies in Lost Zone Giratina? Start us off. Um, I don't think I would play waters. I don't like waters. Cal? Um, I haven't been liking water energy in Giratina recently. Michelle? Definitely no waters. I'm kind of surprised that all three of you said no water. I'm also team no water for what it's worth, so I'm not going to push back on that, but I'm super surprised. So if any of you are not playing water energies, do you still have the Greninja? I guess we're going to start us off. Do you have Greninja still? Uh, yeah. Cali still Greninja? Yeah, I think it's too important. And then Michelle? Yes, definitely. Okay, so the discard draw two is still too powerful. Yeah, the draw power is too good. That makes sense. How about any other stadiums, such as a Temple of Sinnoh, or I don't know, maybe throw a Lost City in there because people are weird. But like, are you playing any other stadiums? Are you like, I'm playing two path and that is it, or three path and that is it? Reagan starts off. Any other stadiums to consider? Or are you just like, now nah, we're good? I think I'm just like path. I just like path. That's, that's, I think that should be the stadium. Cal? I like path. And Michelle, any other stadiums? I feel like path is the only relevant one to play in Tina right now. Right on. The next one that we kind of already mentioned a little bit, and that is Mew VMAX. The winner, Vance Kelly, of course, won Worlds with Mew. And suddenly everyone forgot Mew exists. Uh, that seems incorrect to me, but also... I don't know. I have 10 championship points so far this season, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Cal, is Mew a threat again? And you got to mention Fusion Strike versus DTE. Is DTE just completely dead? So is Mew a threat again, first and foremost, Cal? Um, I think that Mew's always a threat at every tournament inherently. I think that a lot of people just kind of think that Mew dies whenever there's a card that comes out that beats Mew. And then there's just those players that play Mew. They play Mew. They don't care. They they play the same deck, they don't care, they they come to the same tournaments with the same deck, and they don't switch. And they inherently go to the tournaments where the players don't respect it because they think that a new card just came that beats it. Like, let's say, for instance, Charizard. Charizard has a good matchup inherently against Mew because of typing. And people say, okay, so maybe I don't need Spirit Tomb in my deck. Maybe Mew's dead, maybe I won't hit as many Mew. And then they run into the Mews, and they don't have the counter. And this just happens, like, every format, and... There's always that one or two Mews that kind of just sneak their way into top cut or sneak their way into high positions, like 16, somewhere in there. So I think Mew's really strong, and I think that Mew's good, but I wouldn't play Mew. So. 
Michelle, what's your thoughts on Mew? See, Mew for me is always on the back burner. Uh, I started playing Mew, obviously, when it came out of Fusion Strike for, like, what, almost two years now. Um, it's always something I consider. It's never something I really, truly consider. But if I see that there's a lot of good matchups from Mew, obviously, it's gonna it's gonna reaffect my choice. Uh, Vance Kelly winning Worlds definitely is gonna bring Mew back. Uh, not that it was ever not a thing. Um, but I think it's either it's gonna go either two uh two ways. So basically, people are gonna be playing Mew because they want to be playing the winning list, or people are gonna be so scared of Charizard or literally any other deck, um, and just play something else. And then lastly, Reagan. So I've never been like a Mew fan. I just don't like like the deck. Uh, I think there are better decks than Mew. But since it did win Worlds, I think people will put Spiritomb in. Like some people, obviously not all will. But I think that Spiritomb should be in your deck if like you don't take a favorable Mew matchup. Just because there will always be Mew players. It's always like, you know, on average, like 10%, let's say, of the meta. So like, you don't want to just take a loss of 10% if you can have one card. Because Spiritomb also helps in like Lugia matchups and uh, other matchups like that. So it's not just for Mew. But, uh, but yeah, I think if my deck didn't take a favorable matchup to Mew, I think I would play uh, put in Spiritomb for it. So let's go off of that question. So, Reagan's pro Spiritomb. Awesome. Cal, pro Spiritomb in any deck where you think it helps and gives you the edge. Um, I think that I would play Spiritomb if I think that I have a more than a 40-60 maybe to Mew. If it's, like, relatively really close, like a Maybe a 48 or maybe even a 45, I wouldn't. But, like, if it's, like, relatively bad, like, if I don't feel, like, confident in the matchup at all, and I feel like if I hit a Mew that I'm going to struggle, I would probably play a Spear 2 in my deck. And, Michelle, you playing Spear 2? It depends on what. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm not going to put Tomb in Zard, but uh, most of the time, uh, see, for Worlds, I did play... Uh, tomb in my Arcadura list. Uh, it was a tech. It was not something I was used to playing, but um, could have worked out possibly if I hit any muse. Um, but in testing, the tomb was really good in that deck. So, if obviously, I, I, I think any deck that's not Zard would have a good excuse to put tomb. The next question, as I was scrolling through the Twitter questions, I was like, this one seems fun, so I want to do it anyway. <laughs> the question is from Hendrix. How do you pick your sleeves and your playmat? So when it comes to sleeve color and playmat selection, do you have any special thing that you do with this one? Uh, I think Michelle was next to start on this one. Michelle, start us off on what is a sillier question, but <laughs> I like it. Um, well, for playmats, honestly, I just pick like, I don't know. Now I'm, I'm because it was my first Worlds, now I'm just playing with a competitor from Japan. Uh, before that, it goes by cuteness, I guess. So I was playing with the champion Vulpix mat. Uh, sleeves, really, we don't have much of a choice because of the Shovel Squad. We are sponsored by Ultimate Guard, so we do have to play with Ultimate Guard sleeves. Um, but for color, I guess it goes with my deck. I never pick a color that's relevant in my deck because I don't want, I don't know, people to know what I'm playing. So most of the time I go with, uh, pink or like purple-ish 
I don't know. Purple. You got, you got Sableye. You got Comfy. You got Mew. That's a classic color. Guardy. <laughs> Guardy. Oh my gosh. There's so many purple Pokemon but, right no, now. They're not really Guardy, so that's really not a problem for me. <laughs> Regan, what about you? How do you pick your okay. sleeves? Yeah, so for sleeves, I've been using Dragon Shield since I first started. So I've just been—I uh, was using Green Apple for a while, and then after COVID, um, I started using Petrol, and I really—I haven't really stopped. I just use Petrol for everything. I'm gonna be honest; I have no um, idea what color that is. Yeah, so it's like dark blue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been using Petrol for like two years now. So I really like Petrol. Um, usually, they—I don't really break a lot of sleeves, so they're pretty nice. And then for mat wise, uh, I have to use my sponsored mat, uh, Ultimate Spice. Um, but yeah. And Cal, what about you? How are you picking these things? Um, for the sleeves, I just use the sleeves that are from Ultimate Guard from the Shuffle Squad. Um, I usually kind of just get what I get, so I usually get to the tournament and I get handed my sleeves, and I'm like, "All right, cool. These are my sleeves for the tournament." <laughs> And then for my mat, I usually have, like, a flavor of the week type of mat. Like, whatever, like, like for any IC, I use, like, a store mat that I bought that was, like, some random Pikachu one. Um, sometimes I use the other, any IC one, the pink one for Worlds. Sometimes I try to match it up. Like, if I'm playing Lugia or something, I have a Lugia play mat. Stuff like that. Whatever I'm feeling. All right. Next question. Back to the meta. Uh and as always, too, if you have questions like that, please ask them on the Twitter, because I do enjoy that type of stuff. But next question is from Chris Butler. What decks are going to have the best day two conversion rates? And as a bonus, if you want, which ones are going to have the worst of the meta deck? So don't be like, yo, you know, Reggie Drago alone is going to be the worst. It's probably not going to convert. But, you know, which meta deck is going to be the worst and which meta deck is going to be the best? So, uh, Reagan, you're up. Which one's going to be the best conversion, worst conversion? Okay, so generally, like this is a little biased, but usually Lugia has a pretty good conversion. Uh, like ge generally Lugia has a good conversion just because it's consistent. Um, it, it takes like good matchups. And then I, for the worst conversion, I don't, I don't really pay attention to like what really has a worst conversion a lot, but I don't know if Lost Box has the best conversion just because it's such a hard deck to play. Like I know it used to be Kyogre just because Kyogre is so hard to play, right? Like, like people can't really pick it up. But I think probably Turbo Lost Box will have the worst conversion just because it's, it's like a harder deck to play and sometimes it's inconsistent. Sometimes you just don't set up. Sometimes you get turn two Cologne Greninja depending on what deck you're playing. It's like, it's just hard sometimes a win so i would say lost box cal what about you best and worst um the best conversion i usually typically say that rcs decks have the best conversion because they usually are just so simple and just kind of do what they do but i could see lugia having a good conversion rate but um for the worst conversion rate i would probably have to go with lost box as well i think that lost box players uh skill levels kind of vary and sometimes that really affects the overall play of the deck and how well it does and how well it converts um very high level players playing lost box pilot it a lot better than some of the lower level players that really don't really know kind of what they're doing with their deck and sometimes can just lose games from making bad loss zones and stuff like that so for clarification when you say lost box you mean like not giratina but you know dragonite raikou or that yeah. kind of stuff okay yeah like kyogre i would say turbo i think kyogre is probably the hardest deck to play in the format right now so probably Kyogre, or um, maybe the Turbo version is pretty difficult as well. As an aside, I find myself when I was testing Kyogre, just kind of for fun right now, 
finding ways to win without using Kyogre because it stressed me out trying to use Kyogre. And if that resonates with you listening, you should not be playing Kyogre. <laughs> Michelle, what about you? Best conversion rate, um, worst. Worst is I'm definitely going to agree with Grip here. Uh, Lost One Box is definitely hard to play. And uh, for trying to give myself a very average player in comparison to uh, the other two uh, guests that we have here, uh, I cannot play it to save my life. Um, so... I think people are going to be obsessed with the fact that it's possibly one of the best decks and they're going to try to play it and they won't do well with it. Uh, best conversion rate, I think, for... Uh, see, I'm always thinking Guardi. Um, it's always like... I don't know, we always see tons of Guardi in day twos, um, including in, uh, in Worlds. Um, and which version of it. I know there's a version that the Australian group played at NAIC that the support line was a little different. I think maybe something like that would go a long way. Yo, I love that version. Just for an aside, anyone listening, go check out. It's Brent Tonneson got, what, 10th place with it? And it's like the double worker instead of researches and 12 energy or 12 basics with no reversals. It's super cool. I'm a big fan because... uh. Partially because it's very simple. It is very streamlined. Four fog crystals, 12 basic energies. Um, but that was a great segue into the next deck I want to talk about, which is Gardevoir. So, Cal, we're going to go to you for this one. You top cut NAIC with it. You played it to Worlds. How real is Gardevoir for this tournament? Has Zard killed it off? Like, what's going on with Guardi? I think that Guardi is always kind of that deck that can come back from scenarios and kind of make a late game push to try to win games. And I think that Guardi is really good right now as well. It obviously takes a worse matchup to Charizard because Charizard is 330 HP and it's dark type. And it kind of just knocks out all of your Pokemons whenever it wants and it's difficult to KO. But I think that Guardi can give it a, a running, like it can give it a run for its money for sure. Especially like how explosive you start and how much you can actually try to steal the game by but like it sometimes it takes them mismanaging their bench and putting too many two prizers in prey like sometimes that stuff all matters but i think that guardy's in a pretty good spot i think that lost zone's in a really good spot which is a little iffy for guardy as well but i think that guardy will do well this tournament michelle you kind of already gave us a little bit of guardy but do you have anything else to add for why you believe guardy's going to succeed this weekend uh not really honestly uh I just think that people are going to look at like what Torrid played and also want to play that. And obviously they had like a few weeks to practice that deck, which I think is enough to not master something, but, you know, be okay at it. Um, so I think, I think that's why it's, yeah, going to be definitely going to be good. And Reagan, Guardy thoughts. So I think Guardi's still like a really strong deck. Like he got second at Worlds, so you know obviously it's pretty, a pretty good deck. Um, people might play Box of Disasters in Mew, which makes it a little harder, just because that's what Vance played. And um, Guardi's Charizard matchup is definitely like unfavorable, but like winnable at the same time. If like if they don't set up a lot of Charizards, like usually if they set up two, it's pretty scary. But if you can limit them to like one and then knock out like their Pidgeot the next turn or their Arceus or whatever uh, is on their bench, usually you can just steal the game by outpacing them. But if they're able to go first and set up Zards, it's just so hard to come back from. It's such a big Pokemon for two prize cards and it can just one shot anything. The next one that 
where we have to talk about. I'm sorry. You know, a couple weeks ago, I would have been like, there's no way we're talking about this thing for Pittsburgh. But Andrew Mahone just had to come out here and top 32 worlds with Maride on with path. And suddenly it is all over the online tournament scene. It's over the live ladder because I mean, I'm going to be honest when I don't want to think, but I want to play live. I path Maride on's the move. So Michelle, start us off. Is Maride on the real deal? <laughs> Like, on paper, it looks so good. I'm not gonna lie. And obviously, it depends on, like, I've seen people put Magnus on V Star in their Mariah on deck now. And I'm like, okay, well, a good, a well timed Magnus on V Star can grab two items and potentially disrupt the whole game. I don't think it's gonna do that well, but that's my gut feeling. Um, I wouldn't touch that deck with a 10 foot pole. But. That's just me, in my opinion, but uh, there might be one that spikes, maybe like a top 16 or a top 32 would be that unheard of, but I don't know. Regan, what are you saying? You're also not a Maridon believer. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Maridon. Um, I'm sure there will be some in day two, like there will be a few, um, probably, just because they hit good matchups or they drew like super hot, you know, got turn one attack every game. But... I think that it'll probably cap at 16. That'll probably be the its best. Like, if one sneaks into 16, I wouldn't be surprised. But I don't think uh, any will be in top eight. Kyle, can you can you go against the grain? Is Maridon winning the tournament? I don't think Maridon's going to win. I could see it making top 16 or 32. I think the deck's strong. It has good potential. And it's just one of those decks that just, it passes you, it disrupts you, and it hits you. And it, that's all it really does. And sometimes that just wins games. And um, my only issue with Maridon is that if your opponent passes with the peaks you first, your deck does not function, which is not great. But um, I don't think Maridon's that bad of a deck. I think that it's a lot like Arctina, except for it doesn't have like that V-Star heavy V-Star power with the Arceus. It has a Forest Seal Stone, so it kind of has like a mono Arceus attack. And it doesn't have the one-shot potential until you got the Raichus and the Flappies going. But um, I think the deck's strong. I can see it being in top 32 for sure. Maybe 1 in 16, but I don't think it's going to make top 8. The next deck, and the last one I'm probably going to dive deep on, but look, I'm going to get hate mail if I don't bring this one up. Lugia V-Star still exists, and I mean, come on. We've Reagan on the podcast. So, so sell us on Lugia. Is Lugia back. Is, is single strike the move? Like, what? what is Lugia the move? Um... So I think that single strike is definitely still better than colorless. Like even like colorless is just kind of mid. The deck's kind of just mid. I don't know. It's kind of single strike but worse. You don't have a a baby dark type that can one shot anything. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah, I think Lugia's still still pretty good. Like you can play Cobalion for Charizard. Um you can you can play heavy collapsed, you know, uh just so and squawk if you like that version, or you can play the Urshifu version still. Urshifu is a little worse now just because Dura isn't really a deck anymore, so you don't really need the Urshifu. You can play Stone plus one instead. But uh but I still I think Lugia is a real deck. I think I think it'll be I wouldn't be surprised if one made top eight. Cal, Lugia believer. I think Lugia's pretty good. Um, I don't think that the deck's uh, in a bad spot. I think that with the predicted meta and decks that are going to be played, Lugia's in a rather strong spot. Um, I think that 
it gaining backstone journers pretty good as well being able to swing into a lot of matchups with multiple one prizers and not have two prizers on your bench and then go into a two prizer that can just kind of nuke them is inherently pretty good um i don't think colorless lugia is very good i think that deck's uh pretty bad i think that you should just be playing the single strike version at that point weird ear doesn't really do it for me so michelle are you gonna make it three for three on lugia being pretty okay I do like Lugia, and it really pains me to say that as a Dura Demon. <laughs> um, Lugia is really good. And you know what? It's also been in my testing. Um, I really, like, I wish I knew more about Lugia. I really don't know what Lugia's good matchups are. I really don't know what text you should play. Although I don't think Urshifu is relevant anymore, once again, because Dura is not non-existent, unfortunately. Um... But don't play colorless Lugia. Don't don't travel all the way to Pittsburgh just to play colorless Lugia. So one deck that I forgot about until that kind of was going. So there's one more very important one, and one that I think is vastly under the radar, though that seems to not be happening anymore. Online tournaments, cups, etc. That's Rapid Strike. I mean, it won NAIC, and then it did pretty okay at Worlds. Okay enough, right? And suddenly everyone's still ignoring it and et cetera, even though we've kind of said like, hey, Lost Box is good. And Maridon's pretty playable. Charizard's pretty good. Is Rapid Strike a real deck to either play or to be afraid of? But I feel like those might be two different answers as well. So who was... Oh my gosh, I forgot who started the last one. Michelle, start us off on this one. I think it was you. So uh, is it worth playing or think- worth respecting? both um i i think mew is a little too scary right now to play rapid strike um because i in my opinion you lose really badly to that um but then again lost on box are also pretty big um see i feel like it's like a decision the night before the tournament kind of decision i like if I go to the venue and I see, like, a bajillion people testing new, obviously I'm not going to touch it. But if you say that there's other decks, yeah, maybe maybe I would play it. Regan, what about you? Rapid Strike. Is it worth respecting or worth playing? Yeah, so I, I saw on Twitter, like, a lot of the cups, or a lot of people are winning with it uh, from cups, and I think the deck's, like, okay, you know? It takes its good matchups to take its bad matchups. Um, but I, it's just very matchup dependent. Like, if I'm gonna hit Lost Box and Guardy every round, then cool, I can win the event. But, like, if you run into Mew or, or Lugia or just big hitting decks, like, it doesn't really do well against decks that can one shot it, decks that can hit turn two knockouts. Um, but I think, like, if you're expecting a Guardy Lost, like, Lost Box matchup heavy, um, I think it's a good deck, yeah. Kyle, are you going to make it 3-for-3 on Matchup Roulette? Um, Yeah, I think Urshifu is pretty good. I think that the deck takes its good matchups, and they're very good into its good matchups. Um, Obviously, Mew's an issue. I don't think Spirit Tomb and the Guacomo card really does it against Mew. If they just know how to kind of, like, play around it and don't, like, full send all their Fusion Strike energy. Because I think Fusion Mew is going to be the best version of Mew right now. Um, I think if they just kind of play around it and they don't let themselves get like completely ripped apart by it then they're gonna do pretty well against Urshifu. I think Mew beats Urshifu kind of regardless at that point 
Um, Lugia is obviously not an amazing matchup and either because they have the V-Guards, they have the Resistance, they have a healing card with the Radiant Serena. So it's just a tough matchup. So if you expect to hit those matchups, like let's say if you hit three to four throughout um, day one and day two, you might have a rough day. But if you hit Guardi and you hit um, Lost Boxes over and over again, even I think Garatina can be favorable depending on how they play the matchup. Um, if you hit those type of decks, then I think the deck's very strong. But if you just hit some Muse or you hit some uh, Lugias, your tournament can go left very quickly. So it's one of those decks that, you know, it's either you win the tournament deck or you're going to do very bad. So I think we got a lot of the main meta decks. There's like some weird little off meta things. Did any of you have any other ones that you kind of want to bring up as like, I think this thing's underrated right now or uh, this thing just shouldn't be played? I don't know if Cal, Michelle, Reagan, any other? I'm going to take that. I, as, uh... I, right now, honestly, I really like Palkia. Oh, like the one Cyrus played at Worlds, right? Yes. Um, we saw it. Cyrus was testing in the GTA for Cubs. So we saw it beforehand. We knew it was going to be a threat. Um, I think it's so good. And obviously, it, it plays differently than, than Bexcalibur. It's a little more strategic. Um, honestly, honestly, it's on my list of considerations, too. Like, it, it's just so good. And... If you run a few games with it and it feels good, and you kind of know how to sequence your knockouts properly, definitely could be a top eight deck. Right on. So we add Palkia to that list. Reagan, you were had another one. I speak of Chen Pao, like don't play Chen Pao. Like Chen Pao <laughs> Backscalibur. It's don't play it. It's just not very. It's just like inconsistent. It can lose to Iono Path. It can lose to Roxanne Path. Early Path is also bad because then you can't search out waters. Unless you have like Pokey Stop in your hand, um, but yeah, I I don't think Chin Pao is a very good deck for this uh, Pittsburgh. So we have one recommendation of a off meta deck to play, one recommendation not to play. Cal, do you have any thing that we haven't talked about that you're like is good or bad? Um, no, not off the top of my head. I don't have any other decks. I think we touched on most of them. Right on. Let's go ahead and close it out with some shout outs. Uh, Cal, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Where can people find you if they want more from you and any sponsors, etc.? Um, I would say Shuffle Squad for sure. Um, Shuffle Squad uh, is my team. And if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at Calvin Connor TCG. And I do Metafy coaching as well. Michelle, what about you? Uh also on the Shovel Squad, uh, so shout out to Shovel Squad. Uh, I am on most social media platforms. I also do offer coaching on Medify. Um, yeah. Reagan, what about you? Shout outs, where can I find you? Yeah, shout outs to uh, my team, Ultimate Spice. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at uh, ReaganatorTCG. And uh, I also do coaching, but I just can't have a Medify account because I'm not 18. <laughs> So just, just PM me on Twitter if you want coaching. Myself, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Mellow underscore Magikarp. The only one who doesn't offer coaching, so don't DM me. DM one of these three. This has been another episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. We'll catch you all next week.